1: welcome to filmstrip i'm jay and i'm happy to welcome a couple of special guests for this episode first off this gentleman's been on the show a number of times good friend of the show and of mine michael scott from the awesome atkins undisputed podcast and the dana buckler show mike welcome back to filmstrip man thank you for having me back man happy to be here Absolutely. And first time guest on the show, one half of the Action Drunkies podcast, the cinema drunkie himself, Rob. Rob, welcome to the show, man. Tell folks a little bit about yourself and where they can find your shows.
0: Oh, man. Thank you. Thank you so much for for having me. I uh, really appreciate it. Uh, being on here. Um first of all, the of course I am the the host of uh the Action drunkies podcast is having discussing all, all types of action films. The with my good my 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 best friend in the entire whole my world my brother uh Mac the All Star we discuss like all time favorites new new stuff you know we get into it is is my baby something I've been really passionate about and uh you know get it out there and um yeah 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 it's it's my 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 baby.
1: Awesome, Mike. Tell folks also about the two podcasts I plug there for you: Atkins Undisputed and the work you do on the Dana Buckler Show.
2: Sure. So I am a co-host on the Dana Buckler Show, uh, which is run by surprisingly Dana Buckler, uh, and uh, I I host a segment called the 20th Century Movie Club where people come on and we we recommend movies that had to have been made before the year 2000. Jay, as you know, you've been on a couple of times. Ron's been on. Um, Rob, we're going to get you on at some point. And and the guest picks a theme and the theme can be anything. We've done something as broad as seventies movies and uh, something as narrow as the most recent one we just did, or one of the most recent ones we just did was called Suburban Nightmares, where uh, Alejandra Gonzalez from Talk Film Society came on and we recommended movies about the just the hell of living in the suburbs uh, from something as kind of Horrific as blue velvet to something as uh, funny as risky business, because they both deal with regardless. And that's what's really fun about it is the themes can kind of you can really get a wide variety of movies. Uh, the other one I do is Adkins undisputed, the most complete Scott Adkins podcast in the world, uh, where I am chronologically going through the films of one of the all-time great action stars, Scott Adkins, with a litany of guests. Both of you gents have been on the show before. Rob, you're coming back on in a few weeks to talk Ninja Two, And, uh, The cool part is in addition to that, I am joined by the man himself every week to talk about his experiences making these movies. Um, And so that one's a lot of fun. I hope everybody checks it out.
1: It's an absolute blast, and it's no arbitrary reason I brought two action junkies on this show because uh, we got a doozy tonight. We're here to talk about Battleship, starring Taylor Kitsch, Alexander Skarsgård, Rihanna, Brooklyn Decker, Colonel Gregory Gadsden, Hamish Linklater, Tadanobu Asano, Jesse Plemons, Rami Malek. Adam Godley, Peter McNichol, and friggin' Liam Neeson, directed by Peter Berg, released in 2012 on a mega budget. And, fellas, to say this was a bomb and met with harsh criticism is putting it a little mildly. Um, first off, with backgrounds with Battleship. Rob, let's start with you. Uh, do you want to go all the way
0: back to the game or just the movie? <laughs> sure, man, either one. Yeah, I, th- I think we all have are gonna have
1: both of those, so yeah.
0: No, no, no. Um, I- I'll start with the movie. When I first saw the trailers for uh this one, uh, I don't, I don't want to say uh I posed it or like avoided it, but I, I definitely gave this one a pass because it, uh, <laughs> I was like, uh, uh-huh. this is definitely discount Michael Bay going on here, and I was like, I, I don't know if uh. Peter Berg is up to uh, taking the reins from Michael Bay, but um, I definitely saw it uh, when it came on the uh, uh, Blu-ray, and I watched it there. And uh, I was like, "Oh, this is this is not a bad joint. I, I dig this. I dig this one a lot. Uh, it's it's very definitely uh, varying in tones. You know, it's definitely serious, and then it just gets full-on silly at times. Uh, I was definitely taken aback by uh, the scene where they're playing soccer and uh, um, he misses the shot by like just uh, like uh, absolutely a mile when it yes. goes, the soccer ball goes <laughs> sailing over, and it's obviously played for like these hilarious, like you know, just big old guffaw laughs and all that stuff. But then, like, it, it's also sad after, like, oh, he missed the shot, and everybody's so sad, and he, he's supposed to be like really bummed out that it's like. Uh, oh oh okay (laughs) you know so uh, i don't know what you're going for here but uh i guess
1: (laughs) (laughs) mike what about you man
2: so this was when they tried to make taylor kitch a thing right you remember like that
1: minute (laughs) when that thing was (laughs) when
2: that was uh because we got this we got john carter you know i i watched him in uh friday night lights i thought he was good in that but i didn't really he didn't really strike me as big hollywood material uh and and i just thought you know this was one i followed the production of quite a bit because first of all Peter Berg has always kind of been low rent michael bay and so i was i was interested to see what low rent michael bay would do with an actual michael bay movie mm-hmm. um and then uh the idea that hasbro was so bowled over by the success of transformers you know they did gi joe which that made sense and i actually am a defender of both gi joe movies but the idea that their next option was to base a movie on fucking battleship was so (laughs) bananas to me that i i had to see it i didn't see it in the theater i saw it when it came out on blu-ray i didn't have high expectations um the first time i saw it Uh, Those expectations, those low expectations were more or less met until as we get into until one scene in particular in which the movie turned on a dime for me and rewatching it for this, knowing that scene was coming. It made the things that I really disliked about the movie a lot more bearable. Uh, And so, you know, it was one that I wasn't like, eh. You know, I wasn't excited. I didn't hate it or anything like that, but it did stick with me. I mean, when I rewatched it, I'm like, man, I really remember this movie. Yeah. So that's not nothing. I, I mean, I just Rob knows I just watched The Little Things this weekend, the new Denzel joint. And man, I've already forgotten that movie. Like I was forgetting that movie as I was watching it. And so the
1: fact that this stuck <laughs> with me, that says something. No, it totally yeah. does. I guess I was the guy that was excited about this, and I don't know why I was, because I saw that first Transformers movie in the theaters with my wife, and it was way more fun watching my wife laugh at all the people geeking out over the Transformers stuff, because she had, like, no interest in it whatsoever. But I thought, okay, you know, that's about as you know good as that could possibly be and then i found that they were doing this and immediately like all the meme posters of like all the other games that could be like a dark action movies hungry hungry hippos and all the <laughs> other stuff that are out there and i was like oh this is going to be ridiculous but <laughs> I I happen to like Peter Berg's style because I think he does marry that Michael Bayness with some good drama. I thought Friday Night Lights was a genius show. It is a genius show. And it's not because the, the football in it is stupid and ridiculous. It's not really how football works. It's the drama that made it work. Taylor Kitsch was great in that. But I knew he wasn't a movie star already because I saw X-Men Origins Wolverine in the theaters, too. And he... <laughs> He's not everything wrong with that, but he's part of what's wrong with it. So I, I, I didn't think, you know, he was going to be that big a deal, but you get, you know, a younger scars guard. I'm down for that. And all the other people in this, I'm like, well, okay, this, this is like an interesting cast. You know, we got Andy Ducker's wife and we got, uh, or Andy Roddick's wife. And we got, you know, the other kid from Friday night lights who can actually act. And so they probably brought him there to, you know, keep Taylor Kitchen line, and uh, accordingly to the background stuff. That's exactly why he was hired. Uh, we put Rihanna in it, sure, why not? Um, you know, and and we, you know, we we have this big goofy looking action movie um, set around a board game that could no way be cinematic in its in its telling. So I went in not expecting a whole lot. I just thought, well, maybe it'll at least be fun. And guys, I liked it. I liked it in 2012. I (laughs) owned it on DVD. And when I saw it come up uh, after Christmas in 2020 on sale on Vudu, I was like, oh, that's happening. And I threw it out on Twitter. I was like, nobody from Filmstrip will do this with me. I need need tributes. And you two (laughs) were the first two that answered. So that's how that goes on Filmstrip. (laughs) But, you know, I remember the same as you, Mike, there's a point in this where it becomes a lot smarter and a lot cooler than it deserves to be. And I I am waiting for that moment when it happens. We'll get to it when we get into the movie. But yeah, of all the things you could turn into a big action franchise, Battleship. I mean of all of the games that were out there I mean let's start running through the ideas here like you know Monopoly well that's already been done that was called Wall Street and they made a sequel to that and it was garbage so we're not going to do that the Game of Life nobody wants to be reminded how much that sucks so we're not doing that that's um, every Sundance
2: <laughs> movie ever made is what that is that's yes,
1: that's. <laughs> exactly or or the entire series This Is Us so there's that you know um, what what is she going to do right I mean Hungry Hungry Hippos no we can't really sell that quite yet so we're not doing that uh we're not doing the uh, you know uh connect four i mean you know w- what's left right battleship made sense and i remember playing this game incessantly when i was a kid and all the strategy i never had the deluxe like electronic version i just had the little peg version either you play the the big deluxe version
2: yeah i, I had a star wars electronic battleship oh, of nice. course i did um nice. And I will say, I thought the electronic version was actually more of a pain to set up than it was like my, I had the electronic one. My buddy had the regular one and we always ended up playing the regular one. Cause it's like, you had to do a bunch of setup for the electronic one.
0: Yeah. I, I got the, I, I remember I got the electronic one for Christmas once. And, um, uh, I remember I was excited about getting it. And, uh, my sister didn't want to play with me. And, uh, I was like, uh, get my dad to play with me. And then my uncle showed up and then, uh, They basically took over the game and (laughs) pushed me out. So I got to sit there and watch these two old guys play battleship. And they're like, when do I get to play? Like, get out of here, kid. You bother us.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, And I've told this on previous shows, too. My dad was on a destroyer in the Navy. So growing up watching Navy war movies with him was just like a thing. You know, we just did it. And he was one that... I mean, he could sit there and tell you, like, no, that's not really how that would work or whatever. But most of the time, he just kind of put that aside and just enjoyed it for what it was. And being kind of a sailor at heart, that's just sort of his thing. So, I, you know, this would be exactly the kind of thing that I think he would he might enjoy. And I tried to talk him into watching it once, and he was like, I don't think so. Uh, I think it maybe missed him by a few decades. But, you know, I mean, like Hunt for Red October, that, you know, Crimson Tide, like, he'll go for that. But uh, this not so much. But yeah, I grew up with this kind of stuff. So a game like Battleship was a part of my life growing up hmm. and you know i did the rookie thing that every kid does is you put them all in one little corner together and think they'll never find me and then they find all of you at once and it's over <laughs> but, uh, yeah you know i but but i will say and I, I will get into it when it happens in the movie but i was wondering the whole time when i went and saw this like how in the world are they going to work that into the movie because somehow they're going to have to make some kind of reference to it right even if it's passing and the way they do i gotta say it's pretty pretty cool so we'll have yeah. to get into it when we when we get there but Do a little plot summary here maybe for the uninitiated so some quick background in 2005 a new planet is determined to be inhabitable by life so nasa builds a communications array in hawaii to send transmissions to it in hopes of discovering life beyond earth meanwhile a gifted yet kind of slacker human being named alex hopper is making a mess of his life punctuated by breaking into a convenience store to try to impress a pretty girl The girl's name is Sam, who happens to be the daughter of Admiral Terrence Shane, who is the commander of his older brother, Stonehopper. What a a great name, by the way, Stonehopper. Mm -hmm. Alex's older brother obviously serves in the Navy and wants his younger sibling to get his life together. And after he gets arrested, he's given no choice but to clean up and join the Navy. So Alex does, and he actually excels in spite of being somewhat of a wild card. Flash forward seven years, and Alex is serving as the tactical actions officer aboard the USS John Paul Jones, a destroyer, and is in a serious relationship with Sam, much to her father's chagrin. Stone is also the commander of the USS Samson, and is constantly trying to warn his brother that his maverick actions are going to get kicked out of the Navy if he's not careful. Naval operations from 22 countries are preparing for the RIMPAC war game exercises when five massive alien vessels crash the party and land in the battle zone, sealing it off with a force field, blocking most of the forces out except for a few ships trapped in the zone. Several are damaged, a bunch of people die, including Stone, and American and Japanese forces have to band together, led by Alex and Japanese Captain Nagata, to mount a comeback, while Sam and a scientist named Cal and a retired Army colonel, who's a double amputee cyborg person, tries to figure out what the invaders are doing on land. Eventually, they commandeer the World War II battleship Missouri and join forces with a bunch of Korean War and World War II vets to take the Missouri out to sea and deal a devastating blow to the alien mothership. They use their last cannon round to fire at the communications around land, which disables communications between the alien vessels and their home planet that drops the force field and allows an airstrike group sent by Admiral Shane to unload them on the remaining aliens and win the battle. And after all that action, Alex is promoted. He's at. He asked the Admiral for permission to marry his daughter, which is refused, but he invites him to lunch because, you know, they can continue that discussion. And then we get a badly placed CCR song at the end of All That Madness and a post credit stinger where some Scottish people find a living alien. What happens? Your guess is as good as ours because to not be <laughs> continued is how this one goes. So. <laughs> That's about the best so I can plot summary. This is a two and a half. It was a two hour and 12 minute movie. Honestly, it's a two hour movie, y'all. I mean, there's 10 minutes of credits at the end of this. And a lot of places to start here. But I think the thing we have to start with is the fact that we get 10 minutes at the beginning of this movie that I can only surmise is like in the previous season of Battleship. (laughs) And we get the backstory of these two brothers drinking at a bar. Taylor Kitts looks like he's right off of Friday Night Lights. Same hair, doing the Tim Riggins accent, drinking a beer doing the things that if he drank as much as he actually did on these shows, he would not look the way he does, but whatever. (laughs) And he gets to hit on Brooklyn Decker who walks into a bar for a chicken burrito or something. But we do all of this, this stuff on the backdrop of the opening scroll. Like it's a friggin' Tom Clancy movie in 2005, we discovered a new planet and now we're going to reach out and try to establish life there. And in a year they get the communications array up and all of this stuff happens. What y'all think of the prologue though? Because that's things that these kind of action movies always have is like a setup. All so that we can do,
2: like, a witty reference to a YouTube video? Yeah, (laughs) yes. Like, that's, you know, for those who don't know, uh, Alex breaks into a convenience store to steal a chicken burrito for Sam, and they completely replicate this YouTube video that went viral around 2011 of this guy breaking into a 7-Eleven to steal a burrito, and it's just like... It's the, like, it's actually a thing that Peter Berg does because he did it in, ah, uh, fuck Rob, what's the Mark Wahlberg uh, Eco-U.S. movie? Oh, uh, Mile 22? He did it in Mile 22 with, when Eco-U.S. says, say hi to your mother for me, which is yeah. a Mark Wahlberg <laughs> meme. Like, it's like a Peter Berg thing that I do not understand because that whole prologue doesn't, it's way too long. Yeah. And yeah. it, it 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 doesn't really, it doesn't endear us to Alex at all. It, really,
0: it does not. It does not. I uh, rewatching this, I was just like, oh God, he is just insufferable at, at times. Like, you know, Taylor Kish is, is a very charming actor. I, I, I really like him and stuff, but it's really set against him because Alex Hopper is just insufferable. He's just absolute, just a bro. He's just, like, like, like at times, like, he's just just really unlikable. He's a really unlikable guy, you know? Like, he really, Taylor Kitsch really had his work cut out for him to try to make him as endearing as possible. And he kind of does, you know, like, but, like, there's just the the character is just so I I don't want to say badly written, but just, like, overwritten to just, like, I guess, you know, the point is, you know, You're trying to make him be like this asshole that just gets, uh, you know, he he has this arc where he basically becomes the guy that everybody wants him to be. You know, you get that, you know, these kind of roles. But, uh, oh, did they have to make him so just, just the schmuck? Yeah, yeah. Well, just, a, just an absolute what, break.
1: What they he's, did is they took the Riggins brothers' relationship dynamic from Friday Night Lights and they gave it to him and Alexander Skarsgård to squeeze into about three minutes. Now it works on the show because you get three or four seasons to really get to know the Riggins boys and you kind of come to terms with why they are the way they are and they basically kind of got abandoned by their parents and you know he's had to raise himself and his his you know brother who's three years older than him can't really, you know, do much in terms of parenting. They try to squeeze all of that into the one bar scene where it's it's Alex's birthday and his brother who's in the Navy sitting there drinking with him, and he's trying to be like, you got to get your life together, yada, yada. The whole time, they're also desperately trying to hide the fact that Alexander Skarsgård is six inches taller than Taylor Kitsch and everybody else in this movie. So he's always sitting down or stooping over or something like that. <laughs> if you ever got to be on screen with Neeson, he could look somebody eye to eye. But anyway, <laughs> I mean, he is a tall dude. So they're trying to hide that, and they're trying to force feed all of this stuff. And I'll agree with you all on one thing. One thing about the Peter Berg meme makeover with the YouTube video, it's like shot for shot. Mike, we had you on for the shot for shot psycho episode. It's a oh, shot it's for a shot, shot remake shot for shot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, if
2: you watch them back to back, it's identical. Like yeah. they yeah. even like the panels that fall fall in the same place like they they might as well have just put the YouTube video in it. Right,
1: and yeah. just put, put uh, Taylor Kitsch in it somehow. I mean, really, it, it is painfully redecorated and restaged. There's that, and they're trying to throw all the stuff in, and I will agree with y'all that we don't need any of this. We could totally do that opening scrawl and flash right to the soccer game scene, which is seven years later, and catch up on all of this crap with just a few lines. Like we really don't need any of it because nothing else, there's nothing that happens from getting tased and waking up in a tub to you got no choice. <laughs> you're joining the Navy to all of a sudden he's like a soccer star in the Navy or something before the rim episodes. And he's still got Brooklyn Decker there. Like we didn't need none of that.
2: Well, and Rob hit it because the problem is doing both of those makes him such a fucking dick smack. Like mm-hmm. he's, He's already a dick because of the break-in. So I'm already not on his side. And then he screws up the soccer game. And it's like, yeah, this is my hero. You know, it's one of those things. I look, I love Tony Scott. Anybody that knows me knows I love Tony Scott. But one of the things that I blame Top Gun for is Maverick, because yes. lesser directors than Tony Scott have tried to replicate that Maverick character. And they always end up like this. The the big you know, we'll talk about it as we get farther on. The biggest problem I have with the first half of this movie is that Alex fucking sucks. He didn't suck so bad. The rest of this, you know, and I I don't buy his transition into action hero, Captain Kirk, inspiring leader of men. Yes. But Kitsch pulls it off, you know, so I don't mind the back half. I like Alex in the back half. I just don't buy it because he's so fucking terrible. Yeah, for the yeah. first half of this movie. Like, they
1: they could have done all of that stuff with him again and just had him already be in the Navy and just be kind of screwing up. Because one thing, I mean, like it's kind of behind in there or whatever, is he was an enlisted guy who got promoted into the officer ranks at some point. That's some of his garb. And, and they kind of allude to that through some stuff. And I think it was cut out for time in this movie. But you could already had him be in the Navy and just kind of be a screw up. And his brothers, the officer going like, man, yeah. you got to get your stuff together. <laughs> and then he has this you know mishap with the bar and it it might play funnier, but right now he comes off like such a douchebag. Like I don't want to I don't yeah. want to root for this guy, especially at yeah. the soccer game. He gets kicked in the face by the Japanese captain, uh, which that'll come back later. <laughs> and right. then he's like, No, I'm taking the kick. And it, it is hilarious the way he blows it, Rob. Like you, you set that up in the beginning. <laughs>
0: it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, his, 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 he's just like like. The scene that strikes out to me the most is uh, the scene where like he's basically he he's, you know, after uh, the captain is killed and he's the, he's the most senior officer. So he's now in charge and he decides to do a suicide like uh, collision yeah, and, he's like, gonna he's risking, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's going to ram them. Yeah, uh, he's going to ram them, like, in uh, the suicide thing, because, you know, he's pissed off that the aliens killed his brother, and they're like, there's, there's sailors in the water, and he's just like, yeah, go as fast as you can. It's like, dude, you're a dick. You're yeah. an absolute fucking dick. See, and <laughs> like, that's,
1: a, that's a mistake this movie makes, too, is they kill off the brother way too early. Mm-hmm. Like, I understand why you need to have that moment where – he, what happens is, and we, we jumped ahead a bunch, but the RIMPAC exercises are happening. They're on their two destroyers. He's already been told he's going to get run out of the Navy because the Admiral hates him for a lot of reasons and because he's a screw up. And so he's trying to figure out, you know, what to do next or whatever. And they tell him, hey, this weird thing just popped out in the middle of the ocean. Go out there and figure out what it is you know, not the seals of the Marines, you, you tactical line officer, go figure that out, but sure. Okay. Mm -hmm. So we get him and we get Rihanna on a boat with the other big dude that, you know, is going to be useful later in the plot because he can weld and and stuff. And they go out there and he touches it and like him touching it somehow or another turns it on or whatever. And then that's when the force field drops and all hell breaks loose and they blow his brother's ship up. And I got to say, The alien ships in this aren't really anything to marvel at but the weapons they use y'all are pretty damn cool. Like they have these rocket things that land and then shoot through stuff, which is kind of like some of our tank rounds actually work. And then they've got the saw blade, you know, transformers from hell that they shoot at stuff. And yeah. all that stuff is pretty cool. And I get why you got to blow the brother up in front of him. Cause it kind of you know ignites him into action or whatever, but I almost would have liked it if stone had somehow or another gotten off the boat and they reunited on the boat and kind of together went and kicked alien ass.
0: Yeah, totally, totally. I um, I I also um, will bother me about the 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 brother gets killed and like his emotion after seeing this. Like he literally watches his brother get blown up and he's just like, oh, it's like, like, (laughs) wow, you know, way to show your brother, you know, mourn your brother right there. Not a single tear at all. Just oh man, oh. Well and the the other problem
2: is because they spend so much time making Alex a dick, I I don't buy that Sam gives a shit about him. Right, I don't right. buy that Stone gives a shit about him. Like I don't buy these relationships at all. And so I feel nothing when when he's angry. You know, it's like contrast it to coming out about the same time. Um I know it's not a movie that's loved by everybody, but Chris Pine uh, the way he plays Captain Kirk in mm-hmm. in Trek 2009, you know, mm-hmm. where he's the same character. He's brash and hotshot. He's always on the edge of getting fired. But it's like you understand why, because he grew up in a shitty broken home and you understand his relationship with Bruce Greenwood. You get why he does everything he does, whether you agree with it or not. And so you buy when he finally becomes leader of men, you buy it. Here, you don't because I don't know why Alex is a dick why why is he a dick all i've got right now is he's just a dick i don't was he beat when he was a kid did they get was it a broken home is it because he could never live up to stone like i don't know why he's such a fuckstick. stick but he well is.
1: yeah he cannot live up to stone because first off your brother got the cool name he's a foot taller he's a lot cooler <laughs> i do think there's some good humor that uh peter berg's playing on us that we've got a canadian and a swede playing american brothers and a all-American Navy war movie. So there's there's a little bit of that winking and nodding, but no, you're right. There's no reason for us to like him. Moreover, it's like he brings Sam that, you know, chicken burrito thing while he's being tased. And the look on her face is she just falls deeply in love with him over that moment. And somehow over the next seven years, she doesn't get tired of his bullshit. <laughs> really? I'm sorry. No, like that. that is not how that works
2: yeah yeah uh, yeah, i mean i was i've i've had uh i have fucked up way less in relationships and they have not lasted seven years let's put it that way definitely Um, i I
1: will i will give Berg credit for this though because as the as her character is written brooklyn decker is giving nothing to do except look pretty uh and she does get one scene with the army colonel who is a real badass in real life the guy lost both legs part of an arm and was one of the first people to get those kind of uh uh prosthetics where he can walk more and with a more normal gait and stuff totally got cast because Peter Berg saw him in a national geographic photo not even a story just said that guy i want him in the movie and he had to convince him to do it and that guy is awesome and she plays good off of him but she is supposed to be like the megan fox character in the transformers flicks right Except I'll give her credit for having a little bit of heart and a little bit of depth just beyond her looks. But, boy, she has given nothing to do for most of this movie.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, he's actually my favorite character. I liked him a lot. Uh, he, he definitely uh, – I'm glad Peter Berg was able to convince him to do it because I really liked his character a whole lot. He, he was absolutely fun. I mean, the movie should have been about him, if you think about it. You know, Right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, would, I, would, uh, I think I would have liked him as the main character a little bit.
1: Or give any more to do when he's on land. Mm-hmm. Definitely.
2: Well, and there's part of me that I'm I'm not a big you know anybody that knows me knows I'm not a big fan of the sort of military propaganda that that Bay and Berg do, but I'm not gonna lie, it really works in this movie. I mean, casting him, casting bringing all the actual vets, the the Korean and World War II vets back at the end, which we'll we'll talk about, you know, and. And the authenticity of it, it works, which is actually one of the other things that drives me nuts about the start, because unfortunately, you know, you guys know what I do for a living. And I have had to ruin a handful of military careers in my life for uh, much less than breaking and entering into a convenience store. So the idea that he could do this and then sign up in the Navy is like not even remotely close to reality, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, yeah. I have I have had to I've had people get bounced for because they got busted for marijuana, you know? And so it's just like, not breaking into a 7 Eleven for a burrito. I, I'm pretty sure the Navy's not going to take you if you do that. I, I'm sure there's yeah. going to be some Navy guy listening to this that's going to be like, oh, that's, I broke into a 7 Eleven and I got it. <laughs> you
1: know, and I, I think, so I think if you were 18, which is what we're supposed to believe, uh, that Hopper's like turned in 21 or some nonsense, but if if you were a kid maybe like you can stretch that but again we've already said like the backstory doesn't work and it's not a good setup for everything and then the soccer game is just a big joke but when the aliens land like i want to tell y'all how i've always read this is that you know they receive our communications so as most things go they figure out how to hack it backwards and they're more advanced right so they start listening in and they go like hey guys the Americans are inviting all their friends and they're gonna have like a war. Let's go play too. And then when they show up and they start sneaking people they're like, Oh shit, y'all y'all weren't really gonna fire on each other? Oops. I mean, that's how I read it. How do y'all take it?
0: That's a that's a good way of looking at it. Uh I um I definitely could agree with that. Uh, yeah, like the the aliens are I like the 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 alien stuff. Like um it kind of reminded me of uh you know, we were talking about uh, Hasbro choosing this as their supposed next film franchise. And um, a lot of it, like, when you you think about it, it's it's not even, there's one section that's actually Battleship, Mm -hmm. you know? And and then when you consider it, it's not even really Battleship because they're destroyers. It doesn't become Battleship until like the last 15 minutes of the movie. But um, yeah, like most of it kind of, I did a rewatch of this earlier in the week. Uh, It kind of reminded me a little bit of Virus, in a, in a bit yes uh, the
1: jamie lee yeah, curtis joint
0: yeah, yes yeah the 1999 jamie lee curtis bomb that, that she yes she 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 calls the worst movie uh, she ever made that's like have you seen christmas with the Cranes,
1: honey <laughs> have, you, have you seen the <laughs> halloween resurrection <laughs> oh oh yeah
0: yeah yeah no, she's not in the bad
1: part of that one i will say but, <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah, yeah But no, you're, you're, you're right though it is kind of out of nowhere with it, but I like the aliens in this. I like that they're kind of humanoid, but mm-hmm. they have a weakness. They can't look directly in the sunlight, so they got to constantly wear the the glare mask. I, they use that a little bit in the movie. They don't really use it enough, I don't think. Or they, they didn't use it cool enough. Maybe they couldn't come up with a good enough excuse. And, you know, solar rays aren't as cool as, you know, firing off cannons, so they're not going to do that. But I thought they were kind of neat. And, and they're, I wanted to ask y'all though, what is their like goal? Are they here to like do the, independence Day thing and take over the resources of earth because it's so similar to planet g or they did they come down to play the game and they're like oh well i guess we're the only ones playing for real it,
0: it, it definitely seems like uh they are doing the old uh we're evil be just because and we're here to take over the planet <laughs> uh, you know but uh i, I like i like your, your your theory better that uh they just thought that oh we're gonna here play games it's like Oh, uh, you guys not here to play? Uh, uh, oh well, you know, uh, uh, fuck it. You know, <laughs> I guess we're just here now, so let's just do this.
2: <laughs> yeah, we get the uh, Independence Day knockoff. Psychic. I've seen their thoughts. I know what they're planning to do. Seen, yeah. Which is, oh yeah. Which is just ridiculous because there's like no indication that these aliens have psychic powers whatsoever. I almost have to think that it was an intentional nod to Independence Day. Um, mm-hmm. I will, I will say the um, the ships just look like transformers. But the even though this game came out later, the the Destiny ass looking costumes uh, outfits for the aliens are really fucking cool like the helmets are really cool the way they look is i really like the way the aliens in there i I think they're when they take the helmets off and they're just cgi frogs essentially uh (laughs) isn't isn't really that interesting but with the helmets on and stuff they look really badass like i i will give full credit to the character design of the aliens in their in their outfits they're they're really cool
1: I've always thought of them as like avatars, white cousins, or something, or what these aliens look like. That's that's kind of what they look like when they take their faceplates off, and especially when the when the colonel who finally gets pissed enough goes into fisticuffs cuffs with one of them and, and beats the living shit out of him and knocks literal teeth teeth out of him, Rocky style. I, I did think that was great. I'm going super nerd but there there there's a, an episode of Deep Space
2: 9 where they go back to an old original series episode and, and the Klingon makeup and they ask Worf and he's like we don't talk about it. That's what the, that's what the, that's what the Na'vi are like with these aliens they're like we just we don't talk about them. We yes. don't, don't bring them up. We know it's a sore yeah. subject.
1: We don't bring those up. That's not we're not going to talk about these people. And they broke off a long time ago. They clearly can't tell the difference from simulation to reality, <laughs> but but I will I will say again, I do think their weapon tech is cool. Like those two primary weapons yeah. they've got are are pretty awesome.
0: Yeah, yeah, most definitely. The yeah, I like I like all that stuff. That, that whole uh, rig that they shoot, like uh, like like a just a garbage disposal kind of tech yes. you know, it seems like high tech garbage disposal that they shoot I like that stuff uh, it's like why did not you use that more often you know that seems like they yeah. they, they seem to have no defense against that anyway like uh, until uh, Liam Neeson decides to become useful in the movie <laughs> which is you know which is like the last five minutes of the movie where it's like you forgot Liam Neeson like, like honestly on this rewatch like every time Liam Neeson shows up it's like oh my I'm like, that's right you're in this movie I you forget yeah.
2: Three (laughs) days, right? He cannot have been on set longer than
1: three days for this movie. Not at all. And and doing absolutely one scene where he's trying to sort of shade his accent, and then he's like, eh, fuck it. And he just (laughs) talks like himself. And it's like Qui-Gon has got a lot of medals. He can barely stand up on one side. It's just ridiculous amounts of you know military (laughs) garb he's wearing over there. He's there to do a couple of speeches. Uh, to yell at Hopper once to go why can't we get through the force field and then launch some planes at the end and that's yeah. all he does and and that's
0: probably like to the movie's detriment like you had Liam Neeson in the yeah. movie where he was white hot like this was like what 3 years after taking the hit and uh yeah. you know Le- Liam Neeson was prime like in the second win of his career was just you know becoming the premier action hero and you you put him in here, and you literally he's like five minutes in the movie, yeah. like just like just nothing to do, but like just give like speeches, you know, and like you know he has that one scene it's like, I want everything a loaded. You know, And it's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the Liam Neeson you want to see. It. And then he just disappears for another 40 minutes. Well, yeah, until then <laughs> he's at
1: the end, and he tells the kid, like, no, you can't marry my daughter, but I have a special set of skills I'll talk to you about over that <laughs> hamburger. You know, and then all of that, where I'm going to make you disappear, Hopper. But yeah yeah, 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 no, he has nothing to do. With, and that's, that's the problem here is Taylor Kitsch is fine in this when they give him somebody interesting to work next to. God, that's not Rihanna. Okay, like, poor girl, that is not what she can do in this movie i do like the fact that they don't cast her as um kind of a i don't know eye candy role or whatever like she is straight up military girl like she's hardcore and stuff but she's almost a little too much rambo it's a little scary it doesn't quite work he, taylor kitch is really only good but he gets around jesse Plemons, who again was only hired to make sure taylor kitch could act in the movie yeah. they desperately needed somebody for him to uh, to work against and i liked the character of nagata yeah, I mean, and I thought they needed to put that guy in there sooner because when he comes into the the fray, it actually lets Taylor Kitsch kind of sit back and relax, and not have to drive the story. And Nagata is the one that comes up with the, the what will basically be the nod to the game Battleship. We yeah. have no radar, but neither did they. But we can do this weather detection off of these buoys these tsunami buoys and that's how we'll learn how to fire at them so it's grids and it's b12 and the whole bit I, guys i gotta tell you i thought that was cool i've always thought that was cool i thought that was a great nod to the game and a, and a neat way to work that in and it not be like the climax but to be like the the apex of the second act
0: yeah yeah most definitely i, I definitely agree
1: i i i re i'm like why
0: didn't they just you know nagata he's you know, like they established that you know, they're antagonistic toward each other, and uh, uh, after his ship is sunk, the, like he comes on board. You you kind of could have made this almost like a buddy kind of thing between yeah. the two of them. Like you know, like they're like they're antagonistic to each other. They kind of hint at that, but then they like they really don't follow through with it. Uh, they 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 become buddy buddy real quick, you know. And I I thought that they could have like used that as a way to make it like. A little bit more tolerable for uh, at least uh, Hopper's character, where like you know he has the like you know Nagata to bounce off of, you know, kind of like a forty eight hours kind of thing. But uh, you know, uh, they they had other things on their minds.
2: Well, we do get it a little bit, you know, when they're sniping yeah. and and stuff like that. But I mean, honestly, the only I think the only real reason Nagata works is because. Tadanobu Asano is a goddamn legend. I yes. mean, the guy is a fucking legend. If you've if you've never seen uh, Takeshi Miki's Ichi the killer, like it, the guy is a Japanese acting god. And so he's able to bring, I think, an inherent charm and likability to the role that's that's not necessarily on the script i am going to disagree a little bit with you jay i actually like rihanna in this i think she's i think she's pretty she's pretty great i i am i certainly think it's bullshit that she got a razzie for this i mean the razzies are fucking bullshit anyway fuck the razzies but like the idea that like she and some she's not even the worst actor in this fucking movie no no is she the worst actor of the year um You know, and and she's she does. I think she and Kitch have pretty good camaraderie. I do think it's ridiculous, much like Star Trek, that your 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 captain, your acting captain, is the one running around on decks with machine guns trying to kill the aliens. Because it's like, well, okay, well <laughs> if he's dead, then we're really fucked. Exactly. Like then yeah. Jesse Clemens is the senior officer, and nobody wants that. But I am going to agree. I think the the battleship scene for trying to work a board game into the movie, it's clever as shit. It's cheesy and it's stupid and it's ridiculous. And it's also really fucking clever and really awesome and a lot of fun. And I love, you know, you mentioned the the aliens, one of their weapons, lo- they look like the pegs, the ones that hit the ship yes. and then like blow up down in it. They look like the pegs from Battleship. I actually think the stuff trying to incorporate the board game is some of the best stuff in the movie because it's so out there that a $200 million movie is going to stop so we can play Battleship for five minutes.
1: (laughs) But but it's awesome the way they do it, and it makes Nagata immediately cool because we're supposed to hate him or we're supposed to think he's just as big a dick as hopper is when the truth Mm -hmm. is he's actually knows what the hell he's doing and hopper's an idiot Yeah, (laughs) we're supposed to like it and uh, tadinabu asano is so good at just taking over the screen in those quiet ways you know he doesn't get demonstrable he doesn't get loud he's like pull up the radar i know what i'm doing and he, he lays it all out for him and he's right and he has to think and do math and figure all that shit out and i like it and it it does make him and hopper work better together there's a great scene at the end and i'll go to it now hopper has this whole thing where he talks about like i've read the art of war six times i don't get it and and nagata's like that's a chinese book by the way i'm japanese you jingoistic asshole but okay so you know that's what he says in his face but then at the end when hopper's like art of war go where they're not it just finally clicked to me and nagata says you know that's not even what this means that you didn't even get close <laughs> right. I, I like yeah. that they have that humor that carries over he's
2: like oh shit really <laughs> well, it's, it's also the first time we get actual Hopper not being a dick because he gets the, you know, Nagata explains everything and Hopper goes, Captain, my chair is yours. Yes. Yeah. And, and and it's the first time in the entire fucking movie Hopper has shown any humility And when Rihanna looks at him, he just goes, it's what my brother would have done. There's more character in that 10 seconds than there is in the entire movie leading up to it. It's like, okay, this is one of the things that actually, like, pisses me off about the movie is if you can do shit like that here why weren't you doing it for the whole fucking movie sometimes good stuff in movies like this makes me more angry because it's like oh you can you are capable of making like good character
1: you know i said at the beginning there's a point when this movie turns for me and this is it at this point the movie becomes total fun zone for me from here on, I like everybody. I like all the characters. I go for their ride up to this point. I've been just sort of kind of getting there, right? I'm just, okay, I'm just going to give it this and we're going to get to it. It's like watching uh old WrestleMania. You know, you got one good match early and then you got a bunch of crap and you just got to kind of get through it. And here comes the clown and you know, all this other junk and okay, but now we're, now we're going to get serious. Now we're going to get the intercontinental match and this is it. And this is the one where like, it really, really starts to take off. I'm showing my age into how the WWF used to book, but I mean, that that's what this is like for yeah, me. It's like yeah. watching that, and this feels like that turning point for me. This is, okay, yes, from here on out, th- this movie's going to be badass.
0: Yeah, def- uh, the, I just want to go back to that a bit. Uh, you definitely showed the age of all of us with the fact that you mentioned uh, the Intercontinental <laughs> <laughs> Championship. <laughs> the Intercontinental Championship has been meaningless for, like, how long? <laughs> yeah,
1: but it used to not be. Yeah. It used to matter, darn it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But, no, but that's the kind of thing is it's gotta be that turning point in the second act to get us on board for the ride that we're gonna have to take for the third act because this works. they take out some they've taken out like their second alien vessel with this now this is this is getting serious for the aliens. they're like okay shit we we can't keep screwing around with these guys and it's also where you know it's about to go bad for them because the john paul jones is about to be toast when this is over they get absolutely waylaid into oblivion uh, at the end of this movie that that, oh, yeah. that part of the movie
0: yeah yeah that that actually is like one of the better i, I think my favorite visual moment like like when they get the, the 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 device the the weapon the garbage disposal as i like to call it um that, that that one, like when it's coming together right before it's shot out, is yeah. cool. But also the destruction of the John Paul Jones is like as they're climbing up, you know. Uh, it's the Titanic again. To, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, as it's exploding, you know. It's, it's, it's literally just, being <laughs> sawn in half
1: by that Transformer looking thing, you know. And yeah, yeah. they do the Jack and Rose and jump off the end of it together. Yeah. yeah, but, yeah. But that, but that's it's probably a good my moment. Yeah, that's probably my
0: favorite favorite visual moment of the movie. Like the like you know it getting sewn in half. They jump up, ah! like yeah, I, I like that part a lot. I like stuff like that.
1: And it's punctuated because you got Sam and the colonel and the scientists back on the mainland who have saw this or whatever. And I love the colonel. He has a great line. Again, for a not actor, he's awesome in this. He's like, relax, I see plenty of lifeboats. He's fine. You know, and I'm like, okay, maybe he's on one. We don't know, but okay, sure. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Well, and I love that
2: he's like, you know, he gets his badass moment because he's like, How good are you at driving? Let's go buy him a let's go buy him a day, you know. Yeah. Um, and that is the thing. This is the turning point. Now it's not the scene for me. Uh it was this time, but the first time I watched the movie, I was like, I had engendered so much bad will leading up to the playing the battleship <laughs> scene that it didn't it didn't buy me back. What bought me back was Great use of Thunderstruck or greatest use of Thunderstruck because Uh, fucking the vets coming back to launch the Missouri. I'm even getting like choked up talking about it now is so fucking incredible for one of these kind of movies that I was like, oh, shit am I a Battleship fan now? Like, have I spent an hour and a half not liking this movie? And all of a sudden, do I love this movie instead? Um, Yeah. Because it's like, yeah, they launched the Missouri. We get all the old guys coming back and their rapport with all the new cast and stuff mm-hmm. is great. And like, like Rihanna comes in and she's like, what are you doing? And they're like, we need some help. Come on. And, you know, and there's no like bullshit and, and stuff. And it's just, oh, it's fucking beautiful. It yeah, is yes. so well done.
0: Oh and- yeah. Yeah. The My, my, fa- my second favorite moment in the movie is, uh, Old timer going, uh, the like you know because they 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 accept that they do that cutoff thing right before they say like the the cuss words motherfucker, yeah. um, they the the old timers um let's drop some lead on those mother and they cut it off. <laughs> <laughs> I yes. love that. that that's my second favorite moment in the movie.
1: Well, you've got that. You've got Thunderstruck going, Mike. You're absolutely right. Greatest use of Thunderstruck in a movie. They let it go exactly like it's supposed to. And look, we, we got to call it. The score in this movie is great. This is Steve Jablonsky, who's one of Hans Zimmer's disciples, so it's very Zimmer-esque. But whoever did the the music construction did did great work up to a point. I'm going to pick on the CCR song at the end, but the the Thunderstruck song here is badass. It totally is. It completely works. And you get what I love. again is like you said all the rapport that everybody has for each other with this right they just they start getting it together we're gonna make this thing work we got you know we're gonna we're gonna pull all this together guys and they're getting they're getting all the stuff together it is it is hilarious to think about we need a ship. The only thing we got is the Missouri. It's kind of a museum. It's got enough fuel in it to do a training run or whatever. It's also got a lot of ordnance on it, which is hilarious kind of bullshit that I love this kind of movie to do. I grew up in Alabama. You go to Mobile, you see the USS Alabama. It's a cool thing to see. They ain't no ordnance on it though. All right. So they don't do it that way, (laughs) but you got to get like, I'm like, okay, I'm going to give you that because you did the cool battleship thing. I'm going to let you have the fact that they still got, live weapons on this old thing and all these old dudes are going to get to kick some ass and it's a lot of fun to watch the battleship go out there and to start taking shots at the alien craft and it's some good hopper moment too though because here's where he starts doing i mean Y'all, the stuff he does with this battleship is the kind of shit Tom Cruise does with an airplane, you know, in Top Gun, except it it would actually tear the ship in half. (laughs) Like, that's an actual thing to drop the anchor and let it swing around. That works on a small ship. On a battleship, an Iowa-class battleship, it would probably have torn it in half. Yeah, but but it's it's so fucking
2: great, Jay. It's it's like the fucking Fast and Furious e-brake maneuver is the most Captain Kirk shit ever and and the way he's like he's telling nagata you're right we're gonna die you're gonna die i'm gonna die we're all gonna die but it's not gonna be today oh i, yeah, I no. was so fucking in i was all yeah. in at that moment in this movie it is a it is one of those moments in movies that is you know, my my friends Brian Sauer and Eric Kane have a podcast called Pure Cinema where they talk about all sorts of stuff. And they would probably be offended that I'm going to use this term <laughs> for Battleship, but that moment is pure fucking cinema. It's the type of shit that reminds you why you love movies in the first place.
0: And the, that that's actually my favorite, number one favorite moment of the movie is uh, his. Uh, the, we're all gonna die. But not today.
1: I mean, Uh. it's the same thing Tom Cruise is telling Tim Robbins, like, I'm bringing him in close. You're going to do what? (laughs) And then he just, I'm going to hit the brakes. He's going to fly right by. And son of a bitch, if he didn't fly right by, (laughs) and he shoots him. And the battleship cruises right up. And you see the alien guy going like, what the fuck are they doing now? And then the king is just unload on a man. And I mean, it's just a bombardment. And, and they, they're totally taking this thing out. And what I like is that the, the alien ship is basically like lurching to death, but it gets one arm up to shoot the trash compactor back at everybody, Rob. And it's, it fires three of them at him, and he's got one shot left. And he tells Rihanna, <laughs> nope, shoot the satellite dishes on the land. We're going down, but we're going to take out their communication relay. And he makes the right call. He does the thing you want Hopper to do. It's the moment that he's supposed to come around. I, I ask you both, though. Has he earned it at that point? Is that an earned moment for him to do that?
0: I don't know if, like, uh, he's endeared us enough, but uh, he's definitely come around enough by that time to it's like, yeah, uh, I, go, go ahead, Hopper. Yeah, like, you, uh, you you did the right thing, but uh, you, you're still a dick for all the bullshit. <laughs>
2: <laughs> this is kind of counterintuitive. <clears throat> In a better movie... No, he has not earned it. In a movie like this, where it is ticking boxes, uh he has earned it because this is the box we're waiting to get for, right? Mm-hmm. We're waiting to get to this box. And so there's almost a sense of relief that we finally got there. And on top of that, I don't care because, quite frankly, I am a sucker for fucking fighter jets coming in and saving the day at the last minute that that is Mm -hmm. like inject that shit into my veins like my favorite scene in air force one which is a far superior movie to this one but my favorite scene in air force one is still when you know all the enemy fighters come and you see all the F-15s, they they drop all their fuel tanks and they fly and they, they go right around Air Force One. I am such a fucking sucker for that shit. My dad worked for the Air Force. I used to go to the Air Force Museum all the time. I will never not love fighter planes saving the day. So it doesn't matter to me because I was just fucking bouncing off the walls when those planes showed up. And, um, you know, and we do get the nice scene of uh, Hopper telling Nagata, you know, it's been an Honor to serve, and and no, of course, they haven't earned it, but it doesn't matter because it's a cliche, and and cliches exist for a reason. They fucking work, and the last 45 minutes of this movie works. It just fucking works. There is nothing wrong with the last 45 minutes of this movie it's Absolutely. exactly
1: what we want cuz like you say Liam Neeson shows up and that's actually useful and he sends three three fighter planes take out the entire what's left of the alien fleet they bomb the hell out of that that ship that's remaining send it you know to the depths and what, what we're to believe is that when they shoot those satellite dishes, they've cut off connection to, like, the homeland. And, you know, I don't know if they were bringing them through, like, a trench or what was going to happen. You know, if, people, if they were coming down like the evil overlords and Howard the Duck or what the fuck was about to happen. But they cut off the communication. The alien threat is done. <laughs> and and we and we move forward to the to the second greatest press conference in this movie the first one is where they take barack obama after a tsunami and work him into the movie like he's talking (laughs) about this stuff and then we get liam neeson going like well the president can't be here today because he's busy doing real work but he sends his regards and all this other stuff and I'm sitting there wondering, like, does anybody acknowledge the fact that we just killed a bunch of aliens (laughs) or are we just going to blow this off? as like swamp gas. That's the funny part is they never copped any of what happened. No, like, yo,
0: I thought about that immediately. Like you you would think that this is the problem with using real life president as the (laughs) president of your movie is that, you know, obviously he cannot be there for your movie, but then it's like, why wouldn't he be there to celebrate the, the men and women who just saved the fucking world? Right, everybody, the Japanese premiere would be there.
2: <laughs> because he's too busy dealing with Alex Jones, calling the alien invasion. false. a flag. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> yes. Catch him in bed with an alien. <laughs> uh, that, that's going on. Well, I'm really glad to save the world. Thank you very much. Uh, Please uh, cut your hair, Hopper. You know, good luck with what you're going to do. What I love is they, they promote Hopper to lieutenant commander. And then some Navy SEAL comes up to him, like, you ready to start being a real man? And all this. I'm like, no, I'm going to go command a boat in Cuba. No, I've had enough. Thank you. But no, I'm going to go marry Brooklyn Decker. Have you seen her? And I'm going to go do that. No, I'm not, you know, I don't care what Liam Neeson says. We'll hello. Hell with it. Um, but then then we do something here at the end though this makes me mad i hate it when movies use music wrong and if you're trying to do it ironically that's one thing but peter berg and his people put the friggin fortunate son song in here because they think it's a badass kicking song it's the most anti-war anti-military song you could get next to born in the usa from springsteen to put in here and i can't prove this but I swear, Daughtry wrote a song called Battleships that I swear was written for this movie and somehow or another didn't make it in here, but it totally fits the movie. It would have fit it perfectly. And some cool person on YouTube cut it together with scenes of the movie. I'll put the link in the description of the episode. Go watch it because it's a better song. And it, it's not better than the CCR song classically, but it's better for this moment, in this movie. This this bugs me. I hate the fact that Fortune's Fortunate Song gets dropped here. We should have another ACDC song, like for those about The Rock or something like that.
2: Yeah, there's a thousand ACDC songs you could have used. I, I don't know if maybe they didn't want to, you know, rip off Iron Man because that was kind of Iron Man shtick. But no, I mean, Fortunate Son is a song that has been misused in so many It was misused in Die Hard 4. It was misused here. It was misused in Suicide Squad. Like, it is a song that has been misused. It is an angry, angry anti-war song. And it just... I'm with you, Jay. I mean, sure, it works because it's a fucking banger. Like, I mean, as far as just a visceral feel, the song's a fucking banger. It's CCR's best song, in in my humble opinion. Uh, But, boy... In a movie that's entirely military propaganda using Fortunate Sun is a little, it's offensive. Yeah, it doesn't work. It doesn't work
0: what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, just, it's,
1: just like... <laughs> it's just not paying attention. Like that That's what's bad about it. Is you, you're not paying attention to what's going on. And look, I know everybody's going to be like, did Jane just friggin' say Daughtry should have been in this? Yes, because it would have fit the motif of this movie so much. I'm telling y'all, go listen to that song. And it's its a love song about you're going to keep fighting and, da, 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 and battleships. And that's what this movie's trying to be, too, is this pseudo love story amongst this goofy-ass action Transformers rip-off. And You know, it would have worked better. I'm just saying it would have worked. There's a billion songs that would have worked better, but that one feels like it was written for it and then got pulled out by the studio or something. I just pulled up Fortunate
2: Son uh, on Wikipedia and it lists the things it's been used in. So movies, it was used in Forrest Gump when he's in Vietnam. All right, that's okay. The remake of The Manchurian Candidate, that's okay. Die Hard, Battleship, Suicide Squad, that all sucks. Uh, War Dogs, I guess that's okay, but also in video games. Battlefield, Bad Company 2, Call of Duty, Black Ops, Homefront. These are not (laughs) like things that should be using Fortunate Son. No, not at
1: all. Not at all. It's a bad placement uh, of of a song again, but I'm sure it's there just because it's got that kick and beat and that great riff. And that's what we're going to go out on. But did did either of you hang around for that stinger scene that the bit in Scotland where they discovered the landed alien?
0: I, I did because usually I, I like to hang around for the credits, especially in movies like this, you know, because they always try to pull something like that with the, you know, ever, you know, I mean, the stingers in credits have been a thing, but like, it seems to be a popular thing now ever since Marvel. Yes. Uh, the MCU has become like the the juggernaut. It has no pun intended. When, when you have like something that is intended to be a big franchise, you always got to have the stinger in there. Like in the mid-credit scene, and uh, yeah, I did. And it's like, uh, uh, like wait, wait, wait. Especially, it's 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 funny. Like when you know, like how badly this movie did. I, yeah. I'm not laughing. I'm not laughing at the expense of the movie because you know, I always want a film to do well because you know, as as a fan of cinema, I always want a movie to do well. You know, regardless how I feel about it, and. You know, I always disappointed when like a movie does bad, especially I, I, I did want to bring up um, Taylor Kish. You know, I, I feel bad for Taylor Kish that, you know, the fact that you had three major movies like that come out in the same year and they all were failures. Yeah, <laughs> it, it it was like it's just it's, it's got to suck, you know, and. The, like you had three chances to turn you into a big hollywood leading man and they all fucking just
1: <clears throat> i'll tell you though if if you haven't seen it paramount network produced it and then netflix got it that waco miniseries where he plays david koresh now it purports yeah. some things that are absolutely not true but he is awesome as koresh and yeah. I, I, he's become like a good like character side person. I don't think he's yeah. a leading man, but I think he's got a career on TV and stuff like that. He's, he's resurrected himself a little bit since yeah. uh, the 2012 blew up in his face. Literally. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 2012 was definitely just a, a bad year for him, but uh, my father watched that and he was a big fan of that. Cause my father's interest, you know, interested in stuff like that. And uh, like, yeah, I think he's father's niche. He's, he's really more like a, I, I definitely, um, Shout out to this one. Uh, he, he's one of the best things about the American Assassin. Yeah. The, yeah. yeah he's, he's really good in that. Uh, uh, he's good in Lone Survivor. He, he's yeah.
2: better than Scott Adkins in American
0: Assassin. Oh, no my God, that. Dude. <laughs> that is like, no. like yeah, that is probably the worst thing about that movie. We will not get into it, but that is the worst thing about that movie is how badly <laughs> they use Scott Adkins. Yeah. But yeah, like, uh, I, I just wanted to focus on that for a bit. Like, you know, it's, it sucks. The You had three major attempts to turn you into a major leading star and you just got fucked all three times. <laughs> like, just back yeah. to back to back like that, you
2: know. I do also want to shout out, uh, he's also in that, uh, the firefighter movie, Only the Brave, that is actually... Uh, with uh, Josh Brolin and Miles mm-hmm. Teller, and is actually really fucking good. Yeah, if people haven't seen that one, that is a really really good movie. Um, and I'm not saying that like ironically or anything. It's it's just good. Yeah. So I mean, he's gonna be fine. You know, and in and, and in fairness, it's like it's not like Hollywood needs another square jawed white guy as as a major as sure. a major lead. So yeah, I would rather. Sure, sure the roles that he was getting go to people who aren't him. It's that I I feel about him the same way I feel about Sam Worthington and, and uh, that they're probably better as character actors and they're great in those roles. And, uh, and, you know, yeah it's a good career so i'm with rob what a shit fucking year man yeah.
1: <laughs> well look guys in, in terminator two there's a reason robert Patrick is better as the t1000 and not the lead right we've seen that throughout his career too It's just it's sometimes you're just made for certain things so
0: right uh, me and mike had that conversation uh recently about chris pine about mm. whether uh, uh mike had the the the, the perfect analogy about uh, chris pine about um him being like have the brad pitt syndrome he's a character actor
2: trapped in a leading man's body like yep. pine yeah. pine is a beautiful specimen of a human being i mean one of the best lines ever in any chris pine movie is in the first wonder woman when uh, diana says are you considered attractive and he goes uh i'm above average you know <laughs> but he's clearly so much more comfortable when he's being weird or quirky or, or even a movie like hell or high water, which is great. And he is the lead in that movie, but that's not a leading man movie. That's not it's an 1984, yeah. Yeah. Right? like, like that's a character piece. He's so uncomfortable. You know, even though I like the movie, just watch him in Jack Ryan, uh, Jack Ryan shadow recruit. He's so uncomfortable carrying mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And there's, part of me that feels like kitsch might've been the same way, you know, Riggins was part of an ensemble in Friday night lights and he's so fucking good in that show. But then you watch him in John Carter and he just, and I think John Carter is actually a movie that's gotten a bit of a bad rep. Uh, It's not perfect, but it's gotten a bit of a bad rep like this one has. And certainly like savages did, Mm. but he's just so uncomfortable being the lead, being forced to the front whereas you put him in american assassin and he gets to kind of fly in do some cool shit and then fuck off Mm -hmm. he's a lot more comfortable and he's a lot better at it uh Mm -hmm. and so i i think that's just sometimes we try and turn these you know semi-famous square-jawed white guys into the next fucking tom cruise or chris hemsworth and it's like they're not meant for that that's not oh, where their right. talents lie right Just because it's a it's a white dude that had a modicum of success stop trying to make them a fucking superstar i,
0: I call that i call that the bruce willis syndrome you know <laughs> yeah. the you know they 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 turn bruce willis into like this uh action star with die hard and then they feel like they could do that with every like you know white guy uh, coming in, you know, like, oh he's yeah. oh yeah, we we could we could make me, you know, uh they did it with Alec, they try to do it with Alec Baldwin in uh remake of the getaway. Oh god, I
1: remember that movie. Yes. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. that theater <laughs> oh, it's horrible. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's there's that moment to do that stuff. But I mean, let's be honest, the best Die Hard movies the commercial he made last year. It's the best one in the last 20 years, at least. And so, you know, they... Yeah, yeah we've tried to do that with a lot of people and it just doesn't quite work. Scars Guard's another one, too. You talk about a really cool character actor when he doesn't have to be the lead. He can be freaking ferocious and scary, man. That guy has got some intensity. He is great, but don't ask him to be the lead dog. It's just not what he does. And he's an imposing hey. force. Hey, hey,
0: hey, hey, hey. Like uh don't don't don't, don't go too far into that. Uh, my mother uh uh I can't tell you how much my mother loves uh him in uh, Tarzan. <laughs> oh, oh, like yo, like my mother, like she really loves him in Tarzan. Like you bring up Tarzan. Oh my God, I loved him in Tarzan. You know, <laughs> like she she's really into like every time Tarzan is on, she's like, oh yeah, Tarzan. Like as, uh, she called me earlier today talking about uh, it chapter two. It's like who's playing Pennywise, and I was like uh, Bill Skarsgård. Who's that? I was like, he's
1: a brother of Tarzan. It's
0: like, oh okay. <laughs>
1: That's awesome. Well, guys, it's time to bring this one into port. So what are your final thoughts, recommendations, and popcorn ratings for Battleship? Mike, we'll let you start first.
2: I thought long and hard about my popcorn ratings on this one because it's such a a movie that's all over the place. So ultimately, what I'm going to go with is I am going to go with a medium popcorn with a shit ton of extra butter, And a little bit of those cheddar cheese, that little cheddar cheese powder that you put on it. And a couple dashes of a good hot sauce, Uh, because I think there are too many problems with this movie for me to give it a large popcorn, but God damn, I just have so much fun with the final half of this movie that I, I can't say that it's not a recommendation. Um, But you got to you got to slog through some stuff to get to the good stuff on this one. Uh, and I do think ultimately it's worth it, but you got to slog.
1: All right, Rob, what about you?
0: uh i i will share my sentiments about the medium popcorn um not a, uh, i don't i don't know if i would go with all in with the hot sauce <laughs> <laughs> I, i've never tried that one but uh oh, no, i was sitting there
1: yeah. writing that down like ooh got to <laughs> oh it's
2: it's real good you put a little hot sauce and you mix it up in a bowl and it's uh, yeah it gives your popcorn a little kick it's real good
0: yeah, yeah i uh i definitely uh medium popcorn with uh, extra butter and uh a little bit of extra salt you know (laughs) uh i'm definitely going like yeah the 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 film has a lot of problems especially the fact that uh this is the main character you chose to lead us you know you had Liam neeson there being awesome and then you chat you chose to go, go with this guy as a lead character but um it it, it definitely turns around and it works and uh it's a lot of fun the action sequences are uh, a lot of fun to watch you know destruction scenes, especially if you're into that destruction porn kind of thing you know michael bay roland emmerich kind of thing uh they have really fun destruction scenes going on in there and um yeah 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 if you're into that sort of stuff this is right up your alley but uh you know like like i said there's a few problems, but you, you you get over it by the by the last uh, couple, you know. I, I would say forty minutes of the movie, and uh, it, it's a, it's a good it's a, it's a good one. It's a good one. I enjoy. It. I enjoy. it.
1: Guys, I got to tell you, this movie holds a distinction as being only the second one out of all the ones we reviewed on Filmstrip where I feel like it goes through three phases of popcorn before I finally get to my final rating. The other one is Halloween Three: Season of the Witch follow me. It starts off (laughs) as a small popcorn and like a bad one, like, Oh, well, this is nothing of what I wanted. This is all going wrong. This is not going to be a good, good day on Donahue. And then it picks itself up because I kind of come around on the main character and like, okay, you're kind of a sleaze, but I can go with you because I have to. And there's some other people around you that seem to be kind of interesting and the main bad guys kind of neat. And I'm kind of going there. And then it gets to that third act where it drops fucking ACDC and the, they drop the anchor. We swing the boat around and we start kicking all kinds of major ass with the greatest generation all the way up through a bunch of fucking millennials. And we're all kicking ass together and we're not getting mad at each other about this, that, and the other. Everybody gets accepted. The Navy loves everybody. And we're all here just to kill everybody, including the Japanese guy. Cause he, it's cool now and we're all going to get along, and we're going to wipe out an alien species, and we're never going to mention it on the news. That, my friends, is a large popcorn. <laughs> this movie resurrects itself twice. It does it in the middle when we start playing Battleship for Reels. I'm like, oh, we're in medium popcorn with butter and salt and the whole nine. Yes. And then it does that third act where there's not only all the cool action, but there's actually some good character stuff. There's fun stuff between Hopper and Nagata. There's cool stuff on the land with, the again, the army colonel and, and the girlfriend and the useless scientist. And all of it kind of works. And it comes together in a culmination where I go, you know, the first 30 minutes of this movie, you just put it on and i don't know flip through twitter on your phone doom scroll for a little while look up every now and then you kind of see what's happening and then when they start talking about sonar buoys put your phone down because it's about to get cool And then you just get in, and then you just plug right in for the end of it, and you ride the ride the whole way through. It is totally worth it. I'm giving it a large popcorn because it rescues itself in the third act, and that is hard to do for a big-budget, dumb action movie like this. And it's supposed to be dumb, okay? Don't get me wrong. This is not Citizen Kane, and I'm not trying to tell you that it is, but it resurrects itself to that third act when it just goes batshit crazy, just like Halloween 3, so large popcorn for me.
2: Yeah, you got to stick the landing, right? It's always better. I will give me a movie that the final third is spectacular and the first two thirds are not great over a movie that fucking shits the bed at the end. You got to stick the landing. If you stick the landing, I'm probably going to leave it with pretty good feelings. And that's how I feel about Battleship. I was just fucking Alex Hopper the whole time. And then the battleship and thunderstruck and the fucking dom toretto e-brake maneuver with a goddamn boat like (laughs) i just was like i'm i'm in
1: it i'm in it i'm all in i'm good let's do it it's totally (laughs) all of that stuff and it's why that stuff works so you know you could you could kind of
0: fuck with it two thirds in but like if you find the third is uh just spectacular like mike was saying it, it's it's fine it's fine
1: guys this movie is three motley crew albums it's theater of pain in the first act it's like one thing maybe you kind of like in there it's really the you know, the girl the ballad then it's girls 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 it's like oh shit this is actually pretty good it's not good for you and these guys are probably gonna die but it's pretty good and then it's dr feelgood in that third act that's what the third act of this movie is
0: yeah i
1: might go i might have gone with
2: kickstart my heart for the third act but either way
1: <laughs> yeah, it's that song for sure but that that is the lead song <laughs> off of yeah. the, the the best crew record so it's, it's not your feel good well guys it's been an absolute blast having you here on the 299th episode of filmstrip holy cow 11 years in can't believe we've come this far rob tell folks how they can follow you and find your shows
0: Oh, of course, you can find me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, the the Action Drunkies, um, YouTube. Uh, we we have nothing on our YouTube channel but uh, a trailer for uh, RoboCop, which was our first episode. Um, which we we hit a milestone. We hit uh seventy plays, seventy one plays on that one, which is uh, you know, it, it's 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 amazing to me how like you know two schlubs from Brooklyn, New York, uh, me and uh, my brother from another Mac uh, could come in and just start a podcast and just get the, the as much love and appreciation as we did. Yeah, it's uh, Action Drunkies, you're my baby, and uh, Mac, uh, you're the best co-host in the world. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, The Action Drunkie. God bless you all. Thank you all for listening, and uh, I really appreciate you all.
1: Hey, Rob, you got another show too, don't you? Oh, absolutely. Uh, Of
0: course, I I am a permanent panel member on uh, The House That Screams, a horror podcast with one of my dearest friends in the whole wide world, Candy Allison, the hostess with the mostest, as well as House underscore Screams on Twitter. Uh, You can find Candy the Final Girl on Instagram, as well as uh, Twitter and Facebook and all that stuff. And uh,
1: yes, yes, yes. If you're a lover of everything horror, check out The House That Screams. Absolutely. The uh, links to the show will be in the show description. Mike, tell folks how they can follow you and all the awesome stuff you're doing.
2: You can uh, find me occasionally Actually on the Action Drunkies You can find Adkins Undisputed On Twitter at Adkins Podcast I am also on Instagram But I don't post very much because I Fucking hate Instagram Uh, There's Adkins (laughs) Undisputed You can find the podcast Anywhere you can hear podcasts You can hear me with Dana Where we talk about all sorts of movies Almost none of them Scott Adkins related uh, At the Dana Buckler show The easiest way to find that is to go to slash. Dana Buckler's show. uh, And you can hear that podcast anywhere uh, the podcasts are available. Personal Twitter uh, is at Hibachi Justice. So that's usually the best way to find me.
1: Again, links to all of that in the show description. Rob, Mike, thanks again for coming on and being a part of this show. Folks, you can follow the show's social media at Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. There you'll find announcements about upcoming shows and a link to our letterbox page, which has our entire list of reviews. Go to filmstrippodcast.com. You'll link to our anchor.fm distribution site where you're going to find us on your podcast platform of choice. Apple, Spotify, Google, you name it, we're there. Please share the show if you can. Leave us a positive review. It helps other people find the show. And for Rob and Mike, I'm Jay. Thanks for listening to Filmstrip.
0: Thank you for listening to Filmstrip. You can find more episodes on our website, filmstrippodcast.com. The Filmstrip theme music is produced and performed by Frozen Lake 121. All content used or discussed in these podcast episodes is the property of the respective owners and used under the Fair Use Act, Section 504C2, Title 17.